BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. An 18-year-old accused of murdering his family because he believed they were cannibals who would eat him. It's a disturbing case out of Texas. Welcome to Law & Crime Sidebar Podcast. I'm Anjanette Levy. Prosecutors in Texas have filed capital murder charges against 18-year-old Caesar Alald. A week ago, police in Nash, Texas, just outside of Texarkana, went to the house where Alald lived with his parents and siblings. They'd received a call from a co-worker of Caesar's mother who said that he was in the house with a gun and claimed that he killed his family because he thought they were going to eat him. There was a standoff. Alald eventually surrendered. Police found his mother, Ada Garcia Mendoza, his father, Ruben, and his siblings, Lisbeth, who was an adult, and Oliver, who was just five years old. They were all dead. Their bodies were found in a bathroom. All had been shot in other locations in the house and dragged into the bathroom, according to an arrest affidavit. A judge set Caesar's bail at $10 million. He could face the possibility of the death penalty if convicted. His older sister has set up a GoFundMe to pay for funeral expenses for her family. Joining me to discuss this incredibly disturbing case is Dr. Lewis Schlesinger. He is a longtime forensic psychologist and also a professor of psychology at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice. Dr. Schlesinger, welcome to Sidebar. When you first read about this case, what were what were you thinking? Well, initially, um, it's obviously a very disturbing case. It's a group of young offenders who rarely commit family mass murder. The vast majority of family mass murders are committed by adults. There is a small group, however, of youthful familicidal offenders, and Caesar would fall into this category. One thing that struck me about this case, and you may have noticed this too, is this this claim that he said his family was going to eat him. That to me says there's some some pretty significant mental illness here. He could be feigning that, but I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, as soon as I hear something like that, my immediate inclination is to think that it's just not true. However, in this particular case, it does seem to be credible because he didn't say this to the police during an interrogation. He said it spontaneously and immediately to an individual who came onto the crime scene. He's actually a friend of one of the uh, deceased family members. That's basically the first thing that he said. So it does seem somewhat credible. Now, we did a study. I have a long-term research project with the FBI Behavioral Analysis Unit, the folks down in Quantico, on extraordinary crime. And we did a study and published the results a a few years ago on youthful familicidal offenders. It's a very rare study because it's a very small group of individuals. We looked at 16 familicides and 19 offenders because some of these people brought an assistant in 
help them kill their whole family. Familicide is basically a family mass murder. The vast majority of offenders kill their families because of anger and they don't want to be controlled by them. But we had two cases where there was delusional ideation. And so is it rare? Yes, but it's not unheard of. So this does ring true. When I was reading a little bit about this as we were preparing for this episode, it seemed to me too, in, in my reading of it, that a lot of times when people do something like this, where they kill their entire families, they then turn the weapon on themselves. That didn't happen in this case. So does, and I know you haven't examined Caesar, but does that tell you anything about him and his condition? Well, in all of the cases we studied, they did not turn the weapon on themselves. And what I've found over the years is not only just in familicide, but in generally in murder, if an individual kills, for example, his wife or um, no longer loved one with multiple gunshot wounds, um, they often say that they wanted to commit suicide, but they don't because the emotion is dis discharged with the murder itself. But if they shoot the victim with one gunshot wound, very often it is a murder-suicide. So in all of our cases, for example, all of the offenders lived. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So what do you expect to happen next in this case? I, I, I would assume that any attorney representing him would ask for some type of mental health evaluation, a competency exam, something like that. Without a doubt, both of those will happen. In a case like this, from a defense attorney's perspective, this is not a whodunit case. I mean, as soon as it happened, a Caesar called 911 and basically turned himself in. So yes, they're going to have an evaluation with respect to his competency to stand trial and his mental state at the time of the offense. But because he had, because he's delusional, for example, let's assume that you know he, this wasn't a credible delusion. It doesn't mean that he's going to be found insane legally, because there's a couple things already um, that make that a very difficult uh, argument. For example, he called 911, which shows consciousness of guilt and an awareness of the wrongfulness of his behavior. And that's the legal standard in most jurisdictions for insanity. Did he know the nature and quality of his acts? Did he know what he was doing here? Obviously, he did. So it's, it's not going to be easy. It sounds like, too, that one of a co-worker of his mother went to the home. She was concerned that, or he was concerned, I guess, uh, that she hadn't shown up for work. And this person encounters him right. in the house and is pointing a firearm at him. What does that say to you, if anything? It says to me that basically he did what he wanted to do, was to kill the targeted victims. It was probably planned out. And uh, the individual that came to the house, he really had no issue with him at all. There was also, um, a, a, the law, law enforcement said that there was some indication that he wanted to commit suicide by cop. In other words, have the police come there, point the gun, police officer, and have them shoot him. But that didn't happen as well. Because in a case like this, when they discharge everything onto the victim, there's very little emotional energy left 
to turn the gun on themselves, even though they very often say that they wanted to. The thing I just don't understand about this, too, I mean, there was a five-year-old child. I don't, I don't understand anything about this, and we don't really have enough information about the family background or, or Caesar's right. background. You know, a five-year-old boy, his little brother was killed. Obviously, there's a big age difference there. But to me, I just, I see that and I just shake my head. Well, that, that's for sure. A, a couple of points with respect to that. Uh, first of all, in our study, we found that almost half of the individuals, the offenders told somebody in the coming days and weeks what they were gonna do. A number of them called friends and so on afterwards. So that's one important point. And during the investigation, they're certainly gonna speak to people that Caesar was involved with. If any of this leaked out, if it was just considered you know, a joke or, or not taken seriously. The other thing is when you look at a case like this from a logical perspective, like it doesn't make sense to you, of course it doesn't make sense to you because you're looking at this logically, but this was delusional behavior, for example, it wouldn't make logical sense because it, it, it's not based in reality. A delusion is a false belief not based in reality and it's intractable and it can't be dissuaded by facts of reality because it doesn't stem from facts of reality. Very interesting, Dr. Schlesinger. We really appreciate you coming on to talk about this. It's a disturbing case. We're going to keep a close eye on it, and uh, we just hope that family rests in peace. It's, it's an awful, awful case. Thank you again. Thank you. That's it for this edition of Law & Crime Sidebar Podcast. You can listen to and download Sidebar on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, you can always watch it on Law & Crime's YouTube channel. I'm Anjanette Levy, and we will see you next time.